Good afternoon. I'm Jonathan. Um, I'm community and discipleship pastor, and I'm so glad that you guys are here with us tonight. Um, it is Mother's Day weekend, and so I do want to say a happy Mother's Day to you, especially to uh, my mom. Thank you for loving and serving me so well, and especially my wife for all the things that she does that I don't see and don't appreciate enough. Um, thank you for that. And uh, we are going to have a time of prayer during our prayers of the people for our mothers and mother figures. Uh, power of prayer is huge for strength and courage for them and what they do. And I also want to let you know that there's, a, as a token of gratitude, and this is for all ladies, um, as you're leaving today, we have a, a plant for you to take, um, or a, a succulent is the actual word. A lot of our staff don't like that word. Based off some reactions, maybe some of you don't like that word either. I don't know what it is about succulent. I don't know. Anyway, okay. Um, that's for you to take, all ladies, when you leave today. Thank you how you influence others in the next generation. So uh, we're in the third week of a series called Your Story and God's Global Mission. And the last couple of weeks, Pastor Henry has been looking very particularly at uh, the biblical basis for global mission. And, and if you haven't listened to those messages, you need to go back and get those. They are so important to get into our lives and understanding the Bible. And what you'll see is that what um, Irish missiologist Christopher Wright says is that it's not us looking for a biblical basis for mission. There's actually a missional basis for the Bible, that the Bible exists because of God and his mission, and it testifies to that fact, that the whole Bible is about Jesus and the mission of God, the whole Bible. And so we've been asking this question, what's our story in God's global mission, the thing that the whole Bible is about? And what we've seen so far is that we see that God doesn't make a mission for us, he makes us for his mission. And so as we continue to look at what does that mean, what does it mean for me to be made for this global mission that God has and God is on. So I want to invite you to open up your Bibles, either in the seat racks in front of you, will be on page 1000, otherwise we'll be in the book of Matthew chapter 28 um, in the NIV translation. And so we open our Bibles every time we get together because we believe the Bible doesn't need to be a mystery. So we look at it together. And so we are going to pray um, and then our scripture this week is going to be read by our missionary partners in Spain uh, after I pray. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we look to your word, we ask that you would illuminate your truth. By your Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see. Grant us understanding and fill us with the knowledge of your will. Guide us to walk in your ways. Lead us to be a reflection of your goodness and your grace to the world around us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's watch the scripture. Hello. We are Pedro and Vicky Adrover. We work in Spain. Here, less than 2% of the population are Christians. We are part of the strategic team in Youngsters. And we lead administration and kitchen areas in the youth camps. We are in the northeast part of Spain, at the foothills of the Pyrenees, one hour from Barcelona, half hour from France, there. Uh, we are also the directors of All Stars. This is a ministry to reach people over 50. 
with the purpose of showing Christ's love to them and integrate them into a local church. Uh, and to do that, we do outdoor activities, workshops and, and more, to invite them and bring them closer to Christ. We also serve at our local church as a deacons in different areas. We want to take advantage of this opportunity to thank you, Five Oaks Church, for your financial support for many years, for your prayers. You are part of what God does here in Spain through us. The reading for today is Matthew 28, 16-20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus has told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Amen. What a time to be alive, to have our scripture be read by our missionary partners in Spain. I mean, just the ability that we have to do that is pretty incredible. And so as you notice, today we're looking at the Great Commission. That's the name of the passage we just looked at. And it's the continued working out of God's mission after God has achieved this reconciling work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. And as we look to it, we're asking, how are we to make disciples of all nations? What's our part in God's global mission? Um, and as a pastor, it's always interesting when I meet some new people, either a neighbor or someone at the grocery store, and we get to talking and ask about each other. And at some point, it just comes up, what do you do? And I always think it's funny how it completely changes their demeanor when I say, I'm a pastor. It's, it's kind of like they just kind of go, oh, great, great, kind of slowly walk away. I don't know what that's about. Um, but that's usually what happens. And so I remember listening to this uh, British pastor, Jay John, uh, about him feeling like he doesn't want the conversation to stop as soon as he says, I'm a pastor, or I work for a church, or that kind of thing. And uh, so he came up with this new strategy. And so he decided to try it, and he tells this story of going onto an airplane he was flying, and there's a woman next to him. They got to talking, where are you going? Are you skipping through or going there? And he asks what she does, and then she says, what do you do? And he goes, well, I'm part of a global enterprise. She goes, really? And he goes, yeah, I, I, we actually have outlets in almost every country of the world. And she goes, what? And she, he goes, yeah, we got hospitals, we got hospices, we got homeless shelters, we have orphanages, we got feeding programs, educational programs, we do justice work, we do reconciliation work. Basically, we look after people from conception to casket and help their lives be changed and transformed in the direction of those things. And she goes, whoa, like that. And so much so they said everyone in the plane started looking at them. And she goes, what's it called? And he goes, the church. Have you heard of it? And it, just a reaction of like, wow, that was a lot of lead up for that. 
But interesting, just thinking about what the global church is doing really brings a lot of engagement and excitement for what the church is doing. But there's an interesting problem in that that I want to point out from our scripture today. Is It's stated very well by Jill Foley-Turner, writing for the National Christian Foundation. She said this, that unlike other important cause categories like human trafficking or world hunger, if the church doesn't take up this cause of making disciples, no one else will. Let that just sink in for a moment. The global enterprise of amazing things people are doing in the name of Jesus that we are called to do and will do, but those things might be taken up by other folks and organizations, but if the church doesn't take up the cause of making disciples of all nations, no one else will. That's why this text, this last sermon from Jesus is central to our entire lives and why we need to see ourselves as missionaries and see ourselves as global Christians. And, and you heard J. John in his story do that, just how exciting to think and speak like a global Christian. And you might be asking, okay, what's this global Christian kind of idea you're talking about? Well, just basically it's one who sees themselves as part of the global family of God who has a heart for lost people in the world like God does. It's what every disciple should be. It's when we embrace who we are in Christ, a missionary, a part of a global family, a global Christian, a couple of things happen. Firstly, we see our passion and conviction of time, treasure, and talent devoted to the efforts of helping every person on the planet have the opportunity to know Jesus and be a part of his family in a local church. And secondly, we see our passion and conviction of our local expression here, Five Oaks, right where we are, of the church to be open and engaging with the global population that already is around where we live. Now, I can't cover all of that in one sermon. So the second one, Pastor Henry will get to in a couple of weeks. We're going to focus more on the first today. And so that's where we're going, how to be a global Christian, how to be what Jesus is calling us to in this passage, and there are three particular ways to do it. And to see just like what happened right in the New Testament church after this call, and it started to grow, um, New Testament scholar and expert N.T. Wright, this is what he says, that this missionary activity was not an addendum to a faith that was basically about something else. That Christianity was never more itself than in the launching of the world mission. World mission is thus the first and most obvious feature of early Christian practice. The mission. Pastor Henry's shown us the last couple of weeks that Jesus is central to the Bible and God's mission is at its core. And it's how we're to interpret all of Scripture, all of it. And so when we look at it, the passage today, I mean, you're just seeing the working out. It's so obvious, super clear. That's what he's always been about. And so look back with me, verse 19. Therefore, go and, we're going to stop there actually. Therefore, I always want to hear, see therefore. Back up a little bit. What's happening? 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. I mean, that's a big statement. Jesus is establishing his authority. He's got all of it. And when these kind of statements come in, we want to look at a couple of different things. So 
Uh, I'm going to just turn back real quick in my Bible. You can find this in Deuteronomy chapter 5, or I'm in Exodus 20, um, verse 1. And he's about to give the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words. And he starts with saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God is saying something authoritative and what he's done, who he is, before he tells us how to live. And so, to be global Christians, we need to understand we're commanded into God's global mission. We're commanded into God's global mission. But you'll notice in your outline, if you're taking notes right now, you're thinking, I screwed up. The underline doesn't look right like the other ones. It's like in the middle, like dashes. Now, I did that on purpose. You're supposed to write commanded above the line because you're going to write another word below it, below the line. And if you're new with us, you might be thinking, okay, I get it. It's one of these churches that if God says do it, then you do it. And to answer that question, absolutely we want to be that church that says when God says something, we do it. Our obedience to God shows our love for him. But that's why I have this double word that I want to put us here. If we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'll put it on the screen. Um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Gene, do you have that? For me, thank you. Um, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Such good news. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And so what we see here is that we are reconciled into God's global mission. So I want you to write that on underneath there, underneath commanded. We're reconciled into God's global mission. You see, because for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, God has done all the work to reconcile us through his work on the cross and resurrection. Why does he do that? Because he loves us so much. And he wants us to love others by sharing the good news with them. That's what he's all about. Just like when we saw Exodus and Deuteronomy, what did he do? He established that he saved them. I am the Lord, and I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery. Jesus is doing the same thing. I have all authority, and I have conquered death. I've conquered sin. And he has a way he wants us to live in light of that. See, the thing, God's not trying to just like convince us to get on board with his mission. He wants his mission to be in our hearts as our mission. Uh, David Bryant, an author and pastor, says it this way. He said, God's primary goal is not to get each of us into the Great Commission. His goal is to get the Great Commission into us. It's, it's our shared vision with God to reach lost people. And our primary work is to make disciples, but don't, don't miss that we see very clearly it's to make disciples of all nations, of all people groups. And you might be going, okay, Jonathan, seriously, are you you saying I personally have to make disciples of all the nations? Do you know how many nations there are? Uh, No, of course, that's not what I'm saying. But we should be asking ourselves, how am I contributing to the global cause of discipleship in the world? Because the first best question should be, am I discipling anyone? Am I bringing the good news to anyone? 
Charles Spurgeon, pastor, theologian, says that every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. I'd ask you are, you, are, are, are we fishing or are we faking? Are we fishing or are we faking? Because when we see clearly as we can the reconciling work of Christ upon our own life, we burst with overwhelming passion to see others reconciled to God. That's what he gives us, the message of reconciliation. Um, Jeff Vanderstelt says it this way, what God has done to us, he wants to do through us. And we want him to do that as well. Because here's what's really interesting. We sometimes aren't engaged with God's mission because we forget what God and God's mission has done for us. And many times it's when we engage with God's mission and see what he does in the lives of others, we remember what God and God's mission has done for us. And sharing our story of reconciliation can help us remember and help others remember what God's mission did for us. And what's even more amazing is getting to share that with someone from another country, another nation. Four years ago, I got the chance to be in training with some pastors in the underground church in China. Uh, one in, in, individual, I won't name him, uh, he and I connected really easily. Uh, his English was really good, and he was a musician. And as many of you guys know, I am as well. And I met his wife and his girls, and we played worship music together. And he gave me some lessons in how to use a hlusu, which is what you're seeing on the screen. It's a gourd flute. I tried to do my best pronunciation of Mandarin there, hlusu. Um, and at the end, he, he gave this to me. So this is a picture of it at, at my house. But the thing is, I remember over a lunch sharing with each other our faith story. And the similar struggles that God had helped us overcome. And it was one of the most uplifting conversations. You see, what happened was I met someone halfway around the world in, who lives in a completely different culture, completely different upbringing, completely different experiences. But the transformation of Christ in our life in that moment saw each other as brothers. And when I saw his passion for his people where it is so hard, it emboldened me even more to be on mission for Christ. I guess what I want to say is do not underestimate the power of sharing our stories of faith, and especially with the global family. And so one of the possible next steps is for you. Our, our impact director, Dave Barr, he has given our small groups an option to be a communication and prayer partner with one of our global missionaries in which you would communicate them with some regularity and pray for each other and share stories with one another. And I could only just see how that would embolden us, our own passion for the message of reconciliation to make disciples wherever we are with the gospel. And so how do we become global Christians? Well, first we're reconciled into God's mission and we are commanded to it. He does this work. He shows who he is, how much he loves us, and then shows us how to live. And then second, we are integral to God's global mission. That's the second point. We are integral to God's global mission. You see, he tells us all to go and make disciples. And when we interpret scripture, we know the Bible isn't written 
to us, but written for us. So like in this passage, we know that Jesus was talking to a very particular set of people that were there listening. And then the book of Matthew was written, and that was for the church at the time. But it was written for us, just how we know when we're called to love God and love our neighbor, we know that's for us too. This is for us as well. We're all called to make disciples of all nations. And we have to see it like an orchestra or a band. We're all playing the same music that's God's global mission, but we all have our part. God's not making different music for all of us. He makes us to play the part our instrument does for his music. Violins and cellos. I mean, when the orchestra, if you've been in a live orchestra environment and heard them play together, it is incredible. I mean, it was actually just a, f- a few weeks ago I got the chance to listen to um, Sarah Hicks, who's our Minnesota Orchestra principal conductor. She conducted the Minnesota Orchestra playing the live score of Return of the Jedi with the movie on the screen. I mean, talk about mind-blowing for me. Orchestra, Star Wars, awesome. And, but they're all playing perfectly in sync with each other and with the movie at the same time. It was like incredible when that happens. But here, here's the point I'm trying to make. We all have a part and we're all integral to God's mission in the world moving forward. Think of it this way. Like, Let's say that your neighbor right now is actually going to be a missionary to North Africa in 2030, but it's your relationship with them right now and then your discipleship of them and their connection to this local church that will lead them in the path to doing that work. We don't know the plans of God and we have to think bigger than we're able to think. And I know that sounds impossible, thinking bigger than we're able to think, but I love what A.W. Tozer, a famous pastor and author, said that God is looking for people through whom God can do the impossible. What a pity we plan only things we can do by ourselves. God wants to do something way bigger than we can imagine. And we just have to understand that he sees us as integral to his global mission and just go, like verse 19 tells us to, go. Because I think when we understand it, it's not about if and when, it's who and where. It's who and where. We're all called to go. And for a lot of us, it's going to be across the street, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. But for some of us, it may be actually across the world. And we as a church need to continue to foster the normalcy of this in the Western church. Uh, See, for a long time, uh, as one... Uh, Gordon Conwell, professor, had said that we were, we were kind of the band leader in, in missions for a long time, the Western church, American church, and that's shifted in the last couple of decades. And the band leaders now are Africa and South America. I mean, they are just doing incredible stuff, sending people. I mean, there's people sending missionaries to us, and I'm so thankful for that, to reach our neighbors. And so I think... What he's asking us to learn is this, and he, he says this to the American church, and that's, that's me, that's us. He just says, if the American church only gives its money to mission and not its sons and daughters, the mission will be dead within a generation because it reinforces a dangerous ideology that we can accomplish anything we want just with money. Now, to illustrate this idea, there's a pastor, Mike Bro 
um, pastoring a number of different churches, tells a story of his daughter, Jody. This is like 20 years ago. Um, and his daughter was in high school. She's kind of going down a dark path, seeming like going away from God. And then God started seeming to do some work in her. And when she graduated from high school, she said, I don't think I'm supposed to go to college. I think I'm supposed to go to Haiti for a year. And he goes, are you sure? That's like 3,000 miles away. It's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and it's controlled by the voodoo religion. And she goes, I know. I just feel like God wants me to go. And so he says one of the hardest days of his life was putting her on the plane and watching it lift up, not knowing when he would communicate with her again. I remember that was 20 years ago. But he says, one night I got an email from Jody, and I'll read what it says. She wrote, Dad, tonight has been the most remarkable night of my life. I got called out to this hut to deliver a baby. Dad, I've only delivered one, and that was with somebody. I'd never done this by myself, but I was the only one around. They called me, and I get to this hut, and there's this naked, screaming lady on the dirt floor. I get a flashlight, and I'm thinking, here I am. I'm 18 years old. I'm in a hut in a poor country with a naked, screaming pregnant lady. I have a flashlight. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm here. To make matters worse, this lady from the voodoo religion walked into the hut dressed in her red and blue voodoo garb and began to chant some voodoo incantation in Creole. She put some kind of oil on the lady's head, and when she started to walk away from me and the woman, she stopped at the woman's belly and put some type of salve there and walked the opposite direction, all while chanting this Creole spell. I didn't know what to do. She stood at the head of this woman and stared a hole through me. When I was getting ready to deliver the baby, I just looked back at her and I started singing. I knew she didn't understand English, but I just started singing, Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. And Jody said that the voodoo lady became completely unglued. She grabbed all of her stuff, and then she goes, That night I knew that that baby was going to be born with a blessing and not a curse. And the dad said as he read the email, his fatherly side was just saying, you get on the plane tomorrow and get back here. <laughs> like, that's what you need to do. This is crazy. But he said then his heart shifted to being a brother in Christ. And he said, way to go. Thanks for listening to God. This is crazy, but it's awesome. Who knows where that baby's going to be, what that baby's going to do, because you were there in that moment. I want to put my life in your hands. I want to make a difference. And that's what Jody's saying too. And what's interesting, the missing part of this story is that before Jody had felt this call to go to Haiti, the only reason that was in her mind is she had been exposed to that, the people in the church in Haiti through a short-term mission trip earlier in high school. And so one of the next steps for you or your student might be to do a short-term mission trip, to be exposed to the global church and what's happening around the world. And what's cool, the 20-year follow-up on this story is that she's now working full-time in ministry with her husband, who's a pastor in California, Mission Church. So who knew what God was going to do there? So for us to be a global Christian, we understand we're reconciled and commanded into God's mission and that we are integral to God's global mission. And to all of you feeling very heavy and guilty and weight and all this stuff going, oh my goodness, 
Here's where I'm going to help you. Third, and it's in the passage, we have God's presence for God's global mission. This is the continuation of the gospel, the good news, that Jesus has done everything for us to be reconciled. He has a part for us to play in the story of renewing all creation, and he doesn't expect us to do it alone. He promises his presence. Because the thing is, we so easily and often hear the commands of Scripture, get out our planner, get out our to-do list, our goal list on my phone, and sometimes we start to feel just completely overwhelmed. I can't do all the things. What, what should I do? And we forget that we first and foremost need to pray for the presence of God to give us all we need and direct one step in front of the other. I mean, that's why he says, remember, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. God's presence is present from beginning to end. And, and when Jesus calls us, it's like when he called the disciples. Um, it was back in Matthew chapter 4, um, verse 19. Uh, he says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I'll send you out to fish for people. You see, we're to follow Jesus, be made by Jesus, and bring people to follow and be made by Jesus. This is discipleship. Follow Jesus, be made by Jesus, and help others to follow and be made by Jesus. But notice what stands out in that. Jesus, he's the one that, that we follow. He's the one who makes us. He's the one who sends us. And if we bring that parallel back to Matthew 28, remember the first time he's talking to the disciples and calling them, and then the last sermon, the last thing he's going to say to them, he's saying, you got to go. I'm sending you out. You've got to teach them to obey. Jesus is going to make you into what he wants you to be. And I'm with you always. You follow me. I'm with you. From beginning to end, Jesus has promised his presence. And so let me, I'm going to sidebar here for just a second. As one of our pastors, I've seen this in my life and so many others, that we go through what sometimes we call dry seasons, where we just feel like God is far away or less present. We know maybe like intellectually that he's with us, but we don't sense that he is. And this many times, I know it has for me, results in doing less of what God's called me to do, engaging with scripture and prayer, making disciples, thinking about his mission for the world. They all kind of take a hit. But it, it, here's what I found and what I tell others is that if you want to experience more of God's presence, be present in where God is working. If you want to experience more of God's presence, be present in where God is working. And today we're talking about God's global mission, that he, he bought us and he brought us into it. We have an integral part to play, and he's with us in all of it. So start experiencing more of God's presence by engaging and making disciples, and disciples of all nations. See, we all think we need to feel close to God before we do his work. I'd say that when we do God's work, we'll feel close to God. And as David Bryant, who I, who I mentioned earlier, pastor and author, I love his quote on this. He just says, who wouldn't like to end each day putting our heads on our pillows, confidently saying, I know this day my life is counted strategically for Christ's global cause, especially for those currently beyond the reach of the gospel. So what will that look like for us today? 
I challenge us to just take one step towards being a global Christian. God might be calling you right now to a radically big step. If that's you, I would lean into that. Write it down. Pray about it. Talk about it with your small group, your brothers and sisters in Christ to be praying about it. But I know for a lot of us, it may be just a small, tiny rhythm, a small adjustment, small stuff that moves the needle a big way over time. And so I want to give us just a few suggestions, and I've thrown them in your outline here. Uh, and one of them might be just going to the Global 6K next week as we walk for clean water for people who need it, and then talking with our kids or grandkids, nephews, coworkers, neighbors that we invite to do it, of why we even do this kind of thing. It's because of what Jesus has done for us. Um, in the commons, there's these family resources. There's a, a lot of them, and they're awesome. And it's really helping how we raise mission-minded kids. And so I would go check out the table. They'll be playing a short video as well. That's a sample of what you can do as a family. I'd recommend that as well. Um, we have a 12-verse challenge, which, which is so incredible that there's this goal of 11 translation organizations to get the Bible translated into all the languages by 2050. And because of like so many people that have gotten engaged, now it's at 2033. And there's... 3,700 remaining languages to do that in. And so we can be a part of that effort of translation of the Bible into all these languages, just doing one verse a month and even doing it just for a year. Or maybe it's that small group missionary partnership. Maybe that's, you're not the leader of your group, but you go, I want to take this on and own that in my small group. I want to do that and communicate with that missionary or it's a short-term mission trip that we talked about, or there's Operation World and Joshua Project. This is a way for you to see what's happening in the global church and know how to pray for them and know what's happening and embolden yourself towards the mission. Now, I know I gave you a lot of options. A lot of times you have too many options, you don't do any. Just do one. Just pick one. And knowing that all this work that God's called us to to make disciples of all nations, to be global Christians, we can't do that work without him. Don't try to do it without him. We need his presence. We need his guidance. And that's actually what we're reminded of when we come to the table for communion. I invite you to take out the elements. And communion is for those that have given their lives to Christ and we partake of the juice and the bread to remember his sacrifice of blood and body on the cross. That great reconciling work he's done for us. We do this to remember him until he comes again. Let's take of the bread, his body broken for us. And of the juice, his blood shed for us. Father, we thank you for how much that you love us. That you gave Jesus to us to die for us, to reconcile us to you, and then put in our hearts that message to share with everyone else around us. 
God, I know when I think about this like global call to make disciples of all nations, I, I sometimes just feel overwhelmed by that. It seems too big. But I know it's not too big for you. God, I just pray for all of us here that your Holy Spirit would be working in our hearts, guiding us to see our part in this call to make disciples of all nations. And Father, also, would you just remind us of your loving, incredible, merciful presence in our lives. Father, I pray if there's anyone who hasn't given their life over to you, that they could take a step toward you right now in this moment, just the quiet of their hearts, saying, Father, I, I'm a sinner and I need you. I trust that you reconciled me through Jesus. Come into my life, be my Lord. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for how you're working in our lives, especially even the ways where we don't even recognize or see your work being done. Let's pray for all these things in Jesus' name.